Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Today is Friday, September 15, 2023. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered Streaming Live on the Black Star Network. We are here at the House of Hope in Chicago, where in a couple of hours, the McDonald's uh, Inspiration Gospel Tour will kick off. We have been here doing interviews all week, and uh, we can't wait to join the folks here in Chicago for the concert. On today's show, a black teen uh, who was discriminated against because of his hair weeks after the Crown Act was passed will join us on the show to talk about uh, that ordeal. Also, Representative uh, Ro Khanna of California is here tonight uh, to give us a rundown of what Congress will be doing this fall after they've had been off for almost 50 days. Today, folks, 60 years ago today, uh, four black girls were killed in Birmingham. But one of the things that people don't talk about is the other black children who also died that day at the hands of white racists. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well. Vice President Kamala Harris is on the campus of North Carolina A&T with her HBCU college tour. We'll show you what took place there as well. Plus, September is Suicide Prevention Month. We'll talk to uh, mental health expert Keisha Dennis about how athletes are really taking hold and control of their mental health. It is time to bring the funk. The Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got whatever the miss he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling.
Daryl George, Daryl George, uh, is a Barbers Hill High School junior in Mount Bellevue. Uh, and uh, Daryl George, folks, uh, has been suspended for more than a week because his locks hairstyles violates the school district's code. Now, keep in mind, the Texas Crown Act became law on September 1st, but some say there are some loopholes, and the family says that their son is not being protected. Joining me now is Daryl George's mother, uh, Darisha George, attorney Allie Brooks, Ron Reynolds, who is the chairman of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus, and Dr. Candace Matthews, statewide vice chair of the Texas Coalition of Black Democrats. So um, I'm trying to understand. So, so Darisha, what actually happened here? So what what is the school district's code when it comes to hair? Well, they're saying that his hair fall below his eyebrows when let down. Um, it started like a couple of days before the Crown Act went in effect. They've been sending him to ISS in school suspension every day since then for his hair. And as you can see in the photos, his hair is not let down. His hair is kept up neatly. It is kept up. It's well-groomed and it's off his eyebrows, off his shoulders, it's off his earlobes. So I'm not understanding how he's being violated, how he's violating their policies anyways. Allie Booker, what is this loophole? So what, what's happening here in terms of how, why he is not able uh, uh, to be in school? Allie? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, what, what exactly is this loophole? Well, the loophole that they are discussing is that, well, it's basically that the law is not defined. So the argument is that although there is a Crown Act that protects, that covers texture as well as protective hairstyles, it does not cover length, or at least that's their argument. Our argument is that it does. The protective hairstyle in and of itself is protected. Therefore, the length would be protected underneath. Ron, I'm confused. The law is the law. It's hair discrimination. So how can they even remotely make this argument that hair, that length isn't covered? Right, this is... Well, Fred, Fred, this is... No, no, hold on one second. Representative Reynolds, go. Okay, Fred, this, this is totally outrageous. We passed House Bill 567, the Texas Crown Act, to protect students like Daryl from being able to wear their natural hair and being discriminated against. This school district has a history. They started with DeAndre Arnold. That's what led us to file the Crown Act last session. This session, we got it over the hump. Roland, you know, like your viewers, some of them, that Texas is one of the most conservative states in the country. It was hard as heck to get the Crown Act passed, but we did it in a bipartisan way. And there is no reason why Barbers Hill High School is continuing to discriminate against these black students because they choose to wear locks and braids and twists. This policy is to circumvent the law. They are like no better than when they did to those Little Rock Nine uh, and those other students after they passed the, the civil rights laws. They are violating the law and trying to find anything to circumvent it so that they can continue to per perpetuate hair discrimination. And we won't stand for it. And I'm 
here as the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus to, again, put them on notice that we will continue to fight to stand up for students like Daryl and others for being able to express their natural hair and not have to conform to European standards that Barbara's Hill is trying to place on Daryl and other students like him. So, Candace, what is next? What is how are people going? Uh, you know, what is happening there? What is the school board saying? Well, at this point right now, we have not talked to the school board just as of yet, but I did send uh, a communication to the superintendent, and what I find interesting is that uh, I have not got a hello, how you doing, what's going on, because, you know, I guess he's probably scared that I'm going to probably come over there and slap him with the hammer of accountability or something. But see, the thing that they have to understand is this. You don't have to like the law, but you have to follow it, because at the end of the day, um, you don't like black hair and you don't like black people. But see, you got to learn today because there is a law. We uh, testified State Rep. Ron Reynolds for hours on end to get this law passed. So it's kind of, it's very disrespectful. It's a slap in the face and I don't mind kicking any door down to let them know that you're going to follow this law and that's what it's going to be. Um, what, uh, Darisha, what, what, so your son, he's suspended. What, what, so that means he's not in class. Correct. He's, well, he's in, in school suspension. <clears throat> in school suspension. Um, but also, but it also goes uh, on his record. Uh, do you, yeah. uh, and Allie, maybe you can answer this. Uh, are y'all planning to sue the school district? Absolutely. Um, we are going to sue them because guess what? This is the same school as Representative Ron Reynolds stated. That is the cause of the Crown Act. So let's get in there and let's get it defined. Ron, is, uh, do you see any need for the legislature uh, to um, add to this, to modify this? Uh, or is this simply a school district that is that is defying a state law? Well, Roland, this is a school district defying a state law. The Crown Act, uh, they know the spirit of the law because they're the reasons why we filed the bill in it in the first place. I'm so proud of Retta Andrews Bowers, the, the, the author, and I'm the proud joint author uh, of this bill. And they know that this bill was passed to protect students like Daryl because of what they did to DeAndre and also Caden. So this school has a history. Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. We believe you, Barbara's Hill, that you want to discriminate against people. And what we, we don't need a new law. What we need, Roland, is the attorney general's office in the state of Texas to enforce the existing law. We need the Texas Education Agency to do that. So... Commissioner Mike Morath, that's what you need to do. Because if they don't, then we're going to ask the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division to bring Dr. Candace Matthews' hammer of accountability. And so we're going to, when I'm in D.C. next week at the Congressional Black Caucus, I intend to talk and have conversations uh, with members of the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee and Congressman Al Green, to ask them to intervene. Because if the state of Texas won't do their jobs after we pass this law, then we need to have the U.S. Department of Justice. That's what had to happen when they, when they didn't want to allow African-American schools to enter their, their schools after desegregation, after Brown versus Board. We have to have the federal government come in. Unfortunately, Barbara's Hill is no different, and we may just have to have the federal government to come in and help 
step in and protect students. And I'm, I appreciate Attorney Alley uh, for bringing a lawsuit. I appreciate people like Candace Matthews for speaking truth to power. But we are, it takes a village. And Roland, thank you for allowing us to get this out because people need to be outraged that in 2023, we still have students that are being discriminated against simply because of their natural hair. All right. Uh, well, first of all, keep us abreast what happens uh, in uh, this case. Thank you to all of you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, gotta, we got to go to break. We come back. We'll chat with us about our panel. Also, we talk about uh, more news uh, of the day right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, be sure to hit that like button, folks. We need you to hit that like button. It impacts, of course, the algorithm. So we appreciate if you do that. Uh, also, please, uh, if you support us in what we do, join our Bring the Funk fan club. Your dollars will make it possible for us to do what we do, traveling across this country, covering the news of the day. So your check and money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 200. 037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Be sure to get uh, download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Available at bookstores nationwide. Get it on Amazon. Download the auto audio version on Audible. We'll be right back. On his first day in office, with the country in crisis, President Biden got to work for us. Cutting black child poverty in half. More money for black entrepreneurs. Millions of new, good-paying jobs. He's lowered the cost of living and prescription drugs. But there's more to do. He gets it because we all deserve dignity, safety, respect, and a chance to do more than just get by, but to get ahead. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes. Producer, writer, and activist Drew Dixon joins us for an honest conversation about Black women and trauma. Right here on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific... This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 
It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Seen a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Critter Fixers, I'm Dr. Bernard Hodges. And I'm Dr. Terrence Ferguson. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. My panelists today, Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show out of Detroit. Uh, Kilabathia Communications Strategies out of Washington, D.C. Kelly, this right here is why the Crown Act needs to be federal law. Uh, California was the first state. We've seen other states make this move. Uh, it passed in the House, led by Democrats. Uh, it failed in the Senate because Republicans wouldn't act on it. But this should be federal law. It absolutely should, because at its core, the reason for this young man to not have, um, you know, the protections that be outside of the Crown Act is, is frankly because he's a black young man who has locks. Um, he's a black young man who has hair that's past an inch and a half, really. And it's, it's simply not fair, because your hair does not define who you are. Your hair does not get the straight-A grades that you may receive or whatever grades you may receive. It does not get you that bonus. It does not get you anything except a bomb-ass hairstyle. And <laughs> should you choose to do that, you, you can go look and bust it if you want to, too. But what I'm saying is your hair shouldn't be the defining moment for 
anything that has nothing to do with hair. And it is blatantly racist for anybody to think otherwise. Um, it is culturally insensitive for anybody to think otherwise, because this affects white people, too. It affects any ethnicity. Um, you, you have people out there who, who do spikes, who do mohawks, who do a, a bunch of things with their hair, who aren't taken as seriously, who have been passed Who do mullets! Mullets? I mean, I wasn't trying to say mullets. I don't like my mullets. Like, that can be banned if you want to. Like, I'm, I'm good well, with no, that. Well, no, no, you, you ain't got to like it, but I'm just saying it's some white folks walking right. around with a mullet, okay? You you right. You right. You know, the business in the front, party in the back, I feel it. No, I don't, but I get. I got your point. I got your point. The point being is that it has nothing to do exactly with who you are, and you know, hair is hair. It has no. It shouldn't have any bearing on how you are navigating through life, and people shouldn't be barring you from the life that you want to live based off of how you do your hair or lack thereof. I just don't understand these school districts. Who, with, with the hair policy, Michael, I, I, don't, I don't get it. What does that have to do with education? Yeah, um, well, Roland, you know, I looked at the article from um, CNN as well as New York Times, and the, the questions I had was, how often do you apply this rule for white boys? Because I know white boys come with long hair. I know they're going to come with hair that's below their earlobes, things like this. So how often do you apply this for white boys? But when you look at these articles, it says that even though uh, Daryl wears his hair pinned up, they said they still send him home because when his hair is let down, it's below his earlobes or they deem it too long, things like this, even though he wears it pin pinned up. So like if you look at the article from The New York Times, they show him, they said this is how he wears his hair. So what if he wears his hair pinned up, why are you worried about how long it is if he lets it down, but he's not letting it down in school? So, you know, th this is more um, th this is more dealing with white supremacy. This is more dealing with harassing African-Americans, uh, multi-aggressions, uh, things like this. Um, so hopefully they uh, win uh, th this battle. Uh, yes, it needs to be federal law as well which is another reason why these coup plotters need to be voted out of office, because most of them in the House voted against the Crown Act when they did pass the House. It's over overwhelmingly Democratic support, Democrats supported it. So uh, this is another uh, troubling story. I, mean, I, I just, again, if you're a school district, you've got to have a lot more issues you got to deal with uh, in terms of policing hair. And I, I get dress codes. I get things along those lines. Um, and, okay, if you have a policy that it can't go over your eyes, got it. Show me, this is my deal with the school district, show me the example of when he came to school and his hair wasn't pulled back. Mm-hmm. Show me. Yeah, I mean. Show me the photo. Show me the video. Show me the video. Because if you're trying to make the argument that it can't fall in front of the face over his eyes, okay, gotcha. Show me the example of it doing that. Apparently, and they don't you, have one. And if you can't, again, and if you can't produce that example, you need to mind your business and leave this boy alone and let him get his education so he can graduate and get up out of this school. 
I mean, that that's that's the bottom line of it all. Um, you know, I understand some hair policies, right? Like, if you're in the military, you need to be uniform. There's a policy behind that. Everybody needs to look the same, so if the enemy comes through, he can't tell who's who, and y'all move as a unit, right? If you have, you know, uh, hair policies in the food industry, I can understand that, because that could be a health hazard, that could be a safety hazard, things like that. But when we're talking about school, when we're talking about corporate, when we're talking about things that have no bearing on the industry itself, that's where the problem comes in. That's where the implicit bias comes in. That's where the racist comes in. The racism, rather, comes in. And that is what the Crown Act talks about. That's why the Crown Act needs to be implemented. And like you said earlier, that's why it needs to be implemented federally, because this issue is in all 50 states across the board. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and what gets me is when these stories happen, it's amazing how every time there's some black kid. Mm-hmm. Every time. <laughs> and right. we see a lot of these cases uh, coming out of Texas as well. So uh, I hope they sue them. Uh, and I can't wait uh, to see that school district have to pay a big settlement because they were stupid. Got to go to a break. Uh, we'll be back on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Vice President Kamala Harris traveling to North Carolina. Speaking of North Carolina A&T, we'll show you some of what took place on that particular campus. Also, some breaking news. Uh, Prosecutor Jack Smith, he wants Donald Trump to shut up. We're going to explain to you exactly why. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. All change right. is not growth, right? but thoughtful change is real good fertilizer, and that's what has been so beneficial to us. But you also were not afraid of the kid. Well, and I'm a black woman in business. Come on, I don't care how I dress up. I don't care who I'm speaking with. I don't care what part of the world I am in. I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change is not what got me here. Respectful of change, respectful of pivot, yeah. Fearful, no, uh-uh, no. talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it. And you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Essence Atkins. What's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon? Me, Sherry Shepard, and you know what you're watching. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
All right, folks, uh, Republicans um, adjourned the House. Uh, they've been gone almost two months. Well, now they're back in session, uh, and already the focus is on trying to impeach uh, President Biden. Speaker Kevin McCarthy is trying to hold on to his job because uh, he's been pressured by the rabbit dogs in the Freedom Caucus. Uh, California Representative Mo, uh, Mo Connell Jones is right now. Uh, glad to have you back on the show. Uh, man, that was quite the long vacation you guys had. <laughs> well, we, some of us were doing work back home, but uh, you would have thought, Roland, that uh, six weeks would give uh, McCarthy enough time to get his own house in order. But we, it, it is crazy time in the House. We don't know every day whether we're actually going to have votes. We don't know whether McCarthy is going to stay as Speaker of the House every day. I mean, it is a, it's a reality TV show. If enough, if it, and it would be funny if it weren't for the fact that people are going to get hurt if there's a shutdown. You know, and, and, and what gets me is uh, these Republicans complain that Democrats weren't doing the job, weren't up to the task, uh, not working for the American people. My goodness, I think a lot of Americans would love six weeks off. Well, I, you know, I don't want to feed into the narrative that it's just six weeks off because people are back in their districts and uh, doing town halls, meeting constituents, doing trips overseas, which aren't junkets. I mean, it is important that we meet with our allies, that we make sure that we're supporting Ukraine or make sure that we're not having a war with China and engaging in relationships. But all of that said, I mean, I do think six weeks is too long. It probably should have been uh, the August uh, re recess back home. Uh, and I, what's unacceptable is for us not to be moving forward now. I mean, why aren't we? Biden had a deal with McCarthy. Why is McCarthy reneging on that deal? Uh, why are they putting more cuts for uh, rental assistance right now when you know the rents are up? Why are they having cuts in food assistance for in people who need that? Cuts in getting assistance to get your Social Security check? I mean, it, they're totally out of touch with working class needs. Um, there are so many different, obviously, issues that uh, are important to the American people. Uh, and you have uh, your counterparts uh, who want to use the debt ceiling uh, as a way to extract uh, more corporate tax cuts. Uh, are Democrats going to make clear, no, we're not going to play that game. Uh, are they going to call these folks out for the child uh, tax credit, uh, causing the rate of child poverty to uh, increase after we had a significant low? Yes, I mean, Roland, it's rare that you have a policy that has as direct an impact on people that you can see. We did a child tax credit. What does that mean? It meant families that are working class, middle class, got 300 bucks in their pocket or 600 bucks, depending if they had one or two kids or more, uh, if they had more than two kids. And they use that money to be able to buy school supplies for their kids, clothing for their kids, food for their kids. Child poverty dropped 40 percent in this country. Then President Biden said, I want to extend that. House Democrats said, we want to extend that. And not a single Republican uh, agreed to, to extend it. So the 300, 600 buck assistance stopped and child poverty has doubled. It is as clear a policy as uh, can be. And what that says very clearly, Ron, is that poverty in America is a policy choice. We know what would reduce it. We choose not to do it. Every Democrat, except maybe one or two in the Senate, were for this. And not a single Republican is with it. Questions for the panel. Michael, you first. 
All right, Representative Rokana, thanks for coming on and sharing this information with us. I, I had a question about the Farm Bill. Uh, oftentimes, when we talk about policies that impact the African-American community, we'll talk about policing, we'll talk about voting rights, things like this, but we don't talk about the Farm Bill, which comes from the Department of Agriculture. Can you talk about how the significance of the Farm Bill and some aspects of it that uh, people may not know about, please? Sure. Well, you're absolutely right to talk about more broadly wealth generation and generational wealth generation and the racial wealth gap of 10 to 1. And there are many causes of that. Uh, one of it is the lack of home ownership for the African-American community, 46 percent to 62 percent in the white community. One of it is lack of black participation in the tech economy, which I've tried to work on getting more tech co companies with HBCUs. But another is the policies of racism at the Department of Agriculture, where black farmers did not get uh, the assistance. They did not qualify for any of the assistance right. at the Department of Agriculture. And we've tried to, Jesse Jackson was talking about this 30, 40 years ago, and we have tried to fix that uh, with funding uh, targeted to uh, black farmers to make sure that some of the black farmers that are still there get support. And that is at issue in the farm bill, whether that money is going to stay there, whether uh, the president's priorities of uh, having uh, correction for that uh, historical wrong is going to, to pass. All right. Thank you. Kelly. Sure. So one of the other line items in your agenda for the fall is the National Defense Authorization Act. Can you explain to the audience exactly what that is? I also noticed um, in what I'm reading here that there are a lot of climate amendments regarding that um, that uh, Republicans have put in that Democrats are pretty much going to reject. Can you explain why those are going to be rejected and what the solution would be in order for it to um, go through? Well, Kelly, I'm going to be candid. I don't support the National Defense Authorization Act of a trillion-dollar defense budget. I mean, it's crazy to me that 56 percent of our budget is going into military spending when we can't tackle child poverty in this country, where we can't have health care for folks, where we can't have child care for folks. And so I have voted with a number of other progressives against a trillion-dollar defense budget. My guess is it's going to eventually pass, because the one thing that Democrats and Republicans are uh, fine coming together with is increasing defense. And a lot of that money is going to defense contractors who are overcharging, according to 60 Minutes and other reports, the American people. Now, some of the Republican amendments make that defense bill even worse by uh, basically giving a license to uh, fossil fuel companies to build more infrastructure and not care about any of the climate goals. And that will give some Democrats pause. But I think the broader question we have to ask is, uh, the question that Dr. King had us ask, that Jesse Jackson had us ask, which is militarism is uh, hurting our ability to tackle the economic and health conditions of our society. The um, Obviously, uh, the battle over uh, uh, the debt ceiling is going to be um, a lot of back and forth. You got the Freedom Caucus who are making their demands. And look, can you actually reason with these people? <laughs> well, with some. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. 
Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Look, the the ones you can reason with are... Actually, they, they have their positions. They say, okay, I want to cut spending. The problem here is that you have McCarthy saying that I'm going to make a deal with the president. We're going to not do more than 1% cuts. Now, some of us thought those cuts were too many. president, though, made that deal to avoid a default. And now what McCarthy is saying is, oh, I got to go back on the deal. We need more cuts. Really? So you want to cut the assistance that's going to working class families and low wealth individuals so they don't go to po- into poverty. You want to cut the rental assistance. You want to cut the food assistance. But you're not willing to look at any aircraft carrier that we may not need. You are not looking willing to look at the 703 bases overseas. You're not willing to repeal the tax cuts to the millionaires and billionaires. And, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a reasoning issue. It's a values issue. It's a values issues in this country. And the problem is President Biden, for him, his word means something. For McCarthy, you know, he'll change his word the next day. The thing that 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 I, I, I just don't understand when it comes to the defense budget um, is that Republicans love talking about waste, 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 talking about the Thank war, you. Yeah. Um, these people, how they're spending their money. The billions of dollars that are wasted every year. When you have defense companies that put into the contracts the that the, the waste or uh, blowing past the deadlines, uh, and it is if it's kind of like okay, oh well, no big deal. It's military contractors. Uh, uh, we can move on. No, and you're Thank like, you, like, like we're on the cuffs of spending nine hundred billion dollars on defense, and. I swear, every year it's, oh, they need more. They need more. It's like, really? Yes, well, I, you know, I appreciate it. If your audience remembers one thing about me, Ro Khanna is the one vote against the, in the Armed Services Committee on against the defense budget. I was the lone vote. 56 people voted for it. I said, we aren't going to have a trillion-dollar defense budget. And the reality, as you pointed out, is these Republicans want to go after the earned income tax credit because 
the grandma may be claiming it for raising their the kids and it's not mom and dad claiming it or god forbid a poor family both mom and dad claim it and they, they and they happen to be divorced and they claim that that's fraud and that's a few billion dollars and it's families that are struggling to get by and then they are totally oblivious where you've got the pentagon buying an oil pressure switch for ten thousand dollars when nasa is paying 328 dollars for it when you have the Patriot missile system, Raytheon admitting that they're overcharging for that and now have to reimburse $290 million, where you have Lockheed and others making 40% profits. And I guess, look, there's a reason that Dr. King with the civil rights movement said you cannot disconnect the fight on racism uh, away from the fight against militarism. And we used to have people like Jesse Jackson, other progressives, Mario Cuomo used to speak out against that. And I, I want to return the party to talking about that and talking about where we really need to invest in education and healthcare and in our people. Uh, any additional questions, Michael Kelly? Yeah, uh, Representative Ro Khanna, uh, follow up uh, dealing with the African American farmers. Um, I know that in the American Rescue Plan, $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, there was $5 billion, uh, well, $4 billion for debt forgiveness for farmers of color, including African-American farmers. They got sued, uh, government gets sued by white farmers. That's tied up in the courts. Uh, what is it, you mentioned in this farm bill, um, allocating funds, I think I heard you say, to address the dis uh, discrimination, historic discrimination against African-American farmers and possibly other farmers of color. What is it in this uh, farm bill that addresses that problem? Well, the Democratic proposal has additional funding of, of, of $4 billion to, to redress that uh, and make it clear that the court shouldn't strike it down. But the question is whether that's going to make it in in the final farm bill. Uh, the, the, the reality, as you know, is that uh, it, it's not just that, that black farmers were excluded. It's that then they had to compete with white farmers right. who were getting all this government subsidy and government uh, advantages. And we, we have such a low ownership of black farms today. And, and, and so the Democrats, led by Mr. Clyburn, have been championing this. But uh, it's a bipartisan bill, and we have to see whether it gets into the final package. All right. Thank you. Kelly, anything? Sure. So pivoting a little bit into Biden's uh new student repayment plan. Do you have any hesitation that it'll pretty much stay um, such that it's not going to be challenged by the courts? Is it more, um, is it more stable? Is it, do you find it to be a little bit more constitutional? What, if anything, would you change about it legislatively so that, you know, we can get some debt relief? I think the president's making a Herculean effort. I mean, I thought his first plan was constitutional under the HEROES Act, and I'm hoping under the uh, Higher Education Act he's going to be able to do more debt relief. But they're doing what they can in uh, for people who have already made a lot of payments, that that should go towards the principal and not just the interest. But i got to tell you, I'm talking to students, and they're going to have, many of them are going to have to start making 500, 600 buck payments starting in October. I had student loans, $100,000 of them. I'm fortunate. I got to go to Silicon Valley. I've done well in life. But I remember in my 20s, I had forbearance and couldn't make the payment. And then when I started making the payment, it, said, it seemed like the number kept going up because you were barely paying the interest. I mean, it is 
criminal in this country that we have young people graduate with thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars of debt just to get an education. And you can never overcome the racial wealth gap if you're giving people starting out at $100,000 to $200,000 in the hole. People say, well, they're going to become doctors or they're going to become professionals. Yeah, but if they happen to have generational wealth, then they're becoming doctors and lawyers and they, they can buy a house. And for people who are first in their families to go to college because of uh, 250 years of slavery or 100 years of Jim Crow or economic dislocation, and then they're, they're, they're becoming a professional, how are they going to get a house? How are they going to build wealth? So this is a racial justice issue. It is an equity issue. And I, I believe we need to even be bolder. I thought I had I was on the side that said the president should zero it out and let the let the Republicans sue the kids to get the money back. All right. Roland, I had one President more question. Ricardo, we appreciate yeah. it, man. Thanks oh, a lot. Okay. I'm sorry, Michael. Michael, go ahead. Go ahead. Real quick. Real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, very quickly. Uh, California Reparations Task Force just released their 1,000-page study and about 110 recommendations to help repair the damage of a legacy of slavery, Jim Crow segregation, et cetera. How do you think, either in this Congress or the next, we can implement some of those policies at the federal level? I, I, I'm for the reparations task force, but here's what I believe on reparations. I'd say reparations is why aren't we funding our HBCUs and having them have certain endowments. Uh, I mean, not, you can't have them comparable to Stanford or Harvard, but at least have some endowments. How are we giving uh, black uh, men and women opportunities to, to start businesses, venture capital technology? How are we doing with uh, opportunities, investment in black farmers and black schools and black communities? Uh, with hospitals and medical centers that are needed. Those are all things that uh, will build up communities that have suffered from uh, historical racism. And it's one of the reasons I just have to get a plug that I'm supporting uh, Barbara Lee for the Senate seat in California. And I was appalled, and, and she was really disrespected when, uh, when you had a, a statement by the governor saying, well, he can appoint an African-American perhaps as a caretaker, but not uh, in the in the final uh, position to actually serve right. uh, the full term. I, I disagreed with that, and I hope he'll reconsider. All right, thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, with that, uh, that was a story that Politico dropped today, uh, stating that a couple of people who were advisors to uh, California Governor uh, Newsom are resigning from a super PAC that was supposed to be supporting Congressman Barbara Lee. Your thoughts on that? Well, this is how the establishment works. Look. Barbara Lee has got a few million dollars, and, and Adam Schiff and Katie Porter, they're both colleagues of mine. I respect them. They're, 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 they've got $20, $30 million. Now, Barbara Lee has represented Oakland, California her whole time. There are not a lot of wealthy people there. I raise a lot more money than Barbara Lee because I represent Silicon Valley. And these are the historical challenges that African-American women and African-Americans in general face. That's why they don't. there's not a black woman in the Senate. And so to come and say someone who has worked for 30 years, who was the lone vote against a blank check in Afghanistan, who was one of the loudest voices against going into Iraq, who has the biggest grassroots support, that because she had the audacity to say that she wasn't going to accept just a caretaker, she wasn't going to accept to be passed over, now you have these people resigning from a super PAC and intimidating her financially? When are we going to say no to that? I mean, it is disrespectful to her, even if you're not going to pick her, show her the respect. She is an icon. I said if there was a Profiles of Courage written today, Barbara Lee would be probably chapter one for her courage. And I am so proud to be her co-chair. 
My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. I still believe that if progressives rally around her, she can win this race. All right. Congressman, we appreciate it. Thanks so very much. Thank you. Folks, uh, got to go to a break. We'll be right back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Before we do so, be sure if you're on YouTube, hit that like button, folks. I see y'all commenting. Uh, certainly hit the like button. It has an impact on the algorithm. So we want you to be, we should easily, easily be over 1,000. We should be hitting 2,000 likes every single show. Uh, we want you all to support us in what we do. Your dollars are critically important for us to do the work that we do here. Uh, we don't get the support that we did. Mainstream white media gets when it comes to advertising agencies. Uh, we also don't charge a subscription fee for this show. Um, so your donations are critically important. If you want to join our Bring the Funk fan club, multiple ways you can do so. You can send a check on a money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. Uh, PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Don't forget when you buy a copy of my book, you also are supporting uh, this show as well. All proceeds go back into the show. And so you can get White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Available at Ben Bella Books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Bookshop, Chapters, Books a Million Target. You can get the audio version on Audible. And of course, we also want you to support us by downloading the Black Star Network app, Apple Phone, Android Phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You can also watch our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week streaming channel. It's available on Amazon News. If you go to Amazon Fire, pull up Amazon News, you can check it out. You can also tell Alexa, play news from the Black Star Network, and you can hear that. In addition, you can uh, watch us on Plex TV. Simply go to Plex TV, uh, search for Black Star Network, or go to Live TV. We're under News and Opinion. We'll be right back. I'm Faraji Muhammad, live from L.A., and this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, we're going to be talking about common sense. We think that people have it, know how to use it, but it is something that people often have to learn. The truth is most of us are not born with it and we need to teach common sense, embrace it and give it to those who need it most, our kids. So I always tell teachers to listen out to what conversations the students are having about what they're getting from social media and then let's get ahead of it and have the appropriate conversations with them. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, here at Black Star Network. Next on The Black Tape with me, Greg Carr. What did Deion Sanders 
a lawnmower, and the phenomenon of invisible labor all have in common. They're all now part of, shall we say, a colorful lore at our historically black colleges and universities. Our Master Educator Roundtable convenes to explain it all as we explore the good, the bad, and the downright ugly of one of Black America's national treasures. That's next on The Black Table, right here on the Black Star Network. Farquhar, executive producer of Proud Family. Bruce Smith, creator and executive producer of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. You're watching Roland Martin. Johnny Jones has been missing from Charlotte, North Carolina since September 5th. The 39-year-old is 5 feet 5 inches tall, weighs 145 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about a Johnny Jones is urged to call the Charlotte Mecklenburg, North Carolina Police Department at 704-334-1600. Um, I think the graphic was wrong there, folks. Uh, she's been missing since September 5th or August, or August 23rd. Uh, it's been uh, some time there. And so, again, uh, the number to call is 704-334-1600. That is uh, Johnny Jones. She's 39 years old. Folks, it has been four years since Elijah McClain was murdered in Colorado, and two of the officers involved are finally going on trial. A jury will decide if Randy Rodima and Jason Rosenblatt are guilty of manslaughter, criminally negligent, reckless homicide, and assault charges. McClain was stopped by police officers Rodima, Rosenblatt, and Nathan Woodyard in a Denver suburb in 2019 after a 911 caller reported a man who seemed sketchy. When the paramedic Jeremy Cooper and Lieutenant Peter uh, Sachunik arrived, officers forcibly restrained him using a chokehold as paramedics injected him with ketamine. Woodyard would be tried separately because he was first on the scene and allegedly placed McLean in the carotid uh, hold. C- Cooper and uh, Sachunik who allegedly injected the ketamine will be tried together. Rodima and Rosenblatt's trial is expected to last about one month. The United Auto Workers have made good on their promise and making history. They have gone on strike against not just one, but all three Detroit car makers. The big three American automakers, General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis. Picket lines went up in Missouri, Michigan, and Ohio with thousands of union members walking out. The automakers are unhappy, saying the union strategy hurts the workers, not helps them. Ford, for instance, says those striking workers getting $500 a week strike benefit will only see a fraction of what they'd earn by staying on the job. The UAW demands several benefits, including a 46% pay raise over four years, more safeguards for part-time workers, and a 32-hour work week. The carmakers counter with raises between 10 to 15%, but said the other demands are simply too expensive. Experts said the strike could cause severe downsides for those shopping for new cars. Hmm. Well, the question is, 
uh, is that going to come to pass? We certainly sell, shall see. All right, folks, uh, we come back uh, from the next break. Vice President Kamala Harris goes to North Carolina A&T. She is on her speaking tour all across the country. And so she is, she was at, of course, Hampton University. Now she's today at North Carolina A&T. We live stream that on Black Star Network. And we'll have a breakdown for it next. And we'll talk to our panel about it as well. In the next hour, we'll also talk to my buddy Keisha Dennis um, with the elephant in the room talking about mental health. This is Suicide Prevention Month, and she works with a lot of athletes, uh, and it's amazing how more and more professional athletes and college athletes and high school athletes are understanding the importance of mental health and how they are demanding things be done to address it. We'll talk with her on today's show as well. Folks, uh, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Please support us in what we do. First and foremost, if you're watching, hit that like button on YouTube. Love for you to do the exact same thing on the Black Star Network OTT app. You can also support us in what we do by bringing our, joining our Bring the Funk fan club. You heard me say many times. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans uh, who annually give, uh, contributing on average $50 each. Now, folks, it's real simple. That comes out to $14.19 a month, 13 cents a day. You get this show, two hours a day. Faraji Muhammad show, two hours a day. D Barnes show, which is a weekly, which will soon become a daily show as well. Then we have Deborah Owens and Jackie Hood Martin. Then we have Greg Carr. We have Stephanie Humphrey. We got our Rolling with Roland show. You see the great interviews with Janice Howrod and John Hope Bryant. You've been seeing, uh, seeing as well. You're getting all of that. You get the live streaming of events uh, with the vice president and other things happening around the country. When rallies are happening, events are recovering. You're getting all of that. Folks, what you're getting right here on this show, nobody else is doing. And it's no shade, but the reality is this here. The Griot, Ebony, Essence, Black Enterprise, Blavity, Urban One, none of these people, none of these people are doing what we are providing every single day. When people say, man, I wish we had some people who can cover our stories right here. We're not interested in mainstream media being the only place where we can hear our stories. We are speaking to the issues that matter the most. And so your donations are critical. When I launched this show five years ago, people told me I should be charging a subscription. But here's the reality. Black people out there, they're paying for cable set-top boxes. They're paying for Hulu, Apple Plus. They're paying for Disney Plus. They're paying for Netflix. They're paying for all kinds of different stuff like that. And I said, you know what? We want to make sure our show and our information goes out to the masses. So I said, we're going to put it out there on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitch. Now our OTT app. Now on Amazon News. Now on Plex TV. I got a big announcement on Tuesday. Uh, but your support is critical. The advertisers out there, they are not spending the money uh, with us. Those three automakers, Ford, they've n no money spent with us. Uh, we had a deal with General Motors last year. I wanted a multi-year deal. Nothing being spent with this, us this year. Solantis, nothing. Toyota, nothing. I can go down the line of major companies that black people spend their money, nothing being done. We have a partnership with here in my, the reason I'm in Chicago right now, we have a partnership with McDonald's. Uh, we signed uh, a, a, a multi-year deal with McDonald's. Appreciative of that deal. But most of these companies don't even want to sign multi-year deals. But guess what? I see their ads on the Fox News. I see their ads on CNN. I see them on MSNBC. 
They don't support black-owned media. Uh, and so your support is critical. And so please, send your check and money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, or Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Folks, we'll be right back. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. There's an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. on the frequency with me, Dee Barnes. Producer, writer, and activist Drew Dixon joins us for an honest conversation about black women and trauma. Right here on the frequency on the Black Star Network. On his first day in office with the country in crisis, President Biden got to work for us. Cutting black child poverty in half, more money for black entrepreneurs, millions of new good paying jobs. He's lowered the cost of living and prescription drugs, but there's more to do. He gets it because we all deserve dignity, safety, respect, and a chance to do more than just get by. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. I but to get ahead. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Latasha, from the A. And you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
One of the things that you keep hearing people attacking Vice President Kamala Harris, saying she's a drag on President Joe Biden and the ticket, that he should somehow drop her. They talk about these poll numbers. But here's one of the things that's interesting. Uh, a lot of things that she does never gets covered. Earlier today, she was speaking on the campus of North Carolina A&T. We covered it live right here on the Black Star Network. It was, of course, uh, we covered it yesterday when she was at Hampton University. Mainstream media is not covering those things on a regular basis. This, this is one of the things that you often see. And so one of the reasons why I talk about why we have to support black-owned media, why we want you to support uh, this show as well, uh, is because the things that they ignore, then we cover and I've made it clear to my team, every HBCU campus that Vice President Kamala Harris goes to, we are going to show on the Black Star Network because those students divert, deserve it. And again, her voice needs to be heard. So when people say, oh, my goodness, you know, we never see uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. We don't know what she's doing. Uh, she's not doing anything. And you see a lot of stupid people make those comments. And so when I hear them say that, I then go, well, clearly you don't watch Roller Martin Unfiltered. Clearly you don't watch the Black Star Network because we happen to cover uh, those things. And so uh, here is the vice president today at North Carolina A&T. Before we begin, we have to greet our guests the proper way. Can I get an Aggie pride? Aggie pride? Welcome, we are so thrilled to have you, Madam Vice President, Administrator Regan. Thank you guys so much for coming. How are you feeling? Feeling good. All right, so you have had uh, an extremely busy summer, Madam Vice President. You visited over 17 states, talking to young leaders across the country about issues that matter. Uh, this summer alone, you've visited climate leaders in Colorado, gun uh, safety advocates in Virginia, and now you've launched this college tour so that we can discuss fundamental freedoms with our young people. Uh, can you tell us why doing this it was important to you and why you've embarked on this journey? Well, as a proud HBCU graduate, it was very important for me to start this tour at some of the most distinguished, exceptional higher education institutions in America. And that is why I'm here at A&T. And let me also say that together with Administrator Regan, you know, we have been traveling our country. And I have to tell you, all the young leaders who are here, we are counting on you. We need you. We need your ambition, your aspirations for the future of yourself and your country. I strongly believe that you have already decided to be leaders. That is why you are here at this school. And as you continue in your role of leadership, you are going to make a fundamental and profound difference for the betterment of our entire country and the world. So I'm here on this tour to remind you of everything that you learn here, which is you stand on the shoulders of extraordinary Americans. You stand in the path of that legacy. 
They held the baton for the time they had it, and then they passed it to us and to you. And the challenge will be what we do while we carry the baton. And I am here to remind you that what you are doing now and what you will do as the days, months, and years go by will be extraordinary and a testament to all that we take in terms of the pride of who we are as a nation. So that's why I'm here. And I'm here because I also feel so strongly that you must have the freedom to live your best life. And that means the freedom to make decisions based on having freedom to have access to the ballot when you want to vote, the freedom to make decisions about your own body, the freedom to love who you want to love, freedom from violence, freedom to have opportunity and access to opportunity, all of that I want for you. And I'm here then to emphasize that you are going to be a part of making all of that real. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. A&T, she's bringing that heat. <laughs> so, Madam Vice President, in the height of the pandemic in 2020, we saw record voter turnout. In 2022, we saw near record voter turnout for young people. And here today, we have the very students who voted in those elections. And we have students here who will vote for the first time in the 2024 elections. So, you and the President have done so much. What did the voters get from voting in the last election, and what will they get when they vote in 2024? So let's start with this. Can I see a show of hands? Who was able to and did vote in 2020? Wow. All right. Well, let me just tell you something. You elected Joe Biden, President of the United States, and me, Vice President of the United States. You did that. You did that. You did that. You elected the first HBCU graduate Vice President of the United States. You did that. And so when we talk about voting, there are many ways that you, each of you, will make a difference. And that is one of the very important ways that you have already and will continue to make a difference. By seeing and knowing that your voice is your vote, your vote is your voice. And so when you went to vote, let's think about that in 2020. That was the height of a pandemic. For so many of you, the freshmen and sophomores in particular, you were probably in high school trying to figure out how you're gonna even get your applications into college, how you're gonna get your finals done, how you're gonna graduate, if you're gonna have a graduation. For those who are already in college, trying to figure out how you're going to graduate and where you're going to live and are the dorms going to be open. Our country faced so much hardship during the height of that pandemic, so much loss, loss of life. People lost their jobs, loss of normalcy. And in spite of all of that, you all got out there and stood in line, filled out a ballot, early voted, dropped it in a, a drop box, and exercised what we learn at HBCUs, which is the importance of self-determination, yep. 
to make sure you were heard. And as a result in 2020, we had the highest young voter turnout in history. You all did that. And Michael, what I like to think about is that, that they put in, folks put in their order. And so they said, for example, our HBCUs are centers of academic excellence, but for too long have been underfunded. And so pay attention to that. And because you voted, we, Joe Biden and me and our administration, have put over $7 billion into our HBCUs. You all said, I'm going to vote because I know too many of the babies and too many of the communities in our country are drinking toxic water out of lead pipes. And it is time that is addressed because it is having an impact on their health and learning abilities. And because you voted, we are now in process, in, to a great deal because of Administrator Regan, in the process of eliminating all lead pipes in America. Because you voted and said during the height of the pandemic, it's not right that some people don't have access to or cannot afford high-speed internet. It is not a luxury, it is a necessity in life. And because you voted, we are now on the path to ensuring all families and individuals will have access and be able to afford high-speed internet. You voted and said, y'all got to deal with these student loans. Because especially we know for HBCU students, we're talking about a majority are on Pell Grants. Many are first in the family to go to college and should be able to study and not have to worry about whether they have to take a job based on their income alone versus what they want to do in terms of their passion. And so we have been reducing payments for student loans. And I'll say to the juniors and the seniors who are here, look up what we're doing. It's called SAVE, S-A-V, it's an acronym that is for the reduction of student loan payments to zero with zero interest if you come out of school making less than $30,000 a year, which for a lot of the types of jobs that are public interest would be in that salary range. So these are some of the many examples of why when you voted it made a difference because be clear, you vote for something but you gotta also look at like who's on the ballot and of the people who are on the ballot, who will best represent your needs. And the other thing then you would understand, and we all are experiencing every day out of Washington, D.C., is there are plenty of folks on the ballot who are not representing necessarily the needs of the leaders who are in this room. You know, it's it's uh, it's surreal when you talk about voting and access. Uh, I voted for the first time right here in this room. Uh, I'm a proud graduate of North Carolina a and and the, the, voting, the voting booths were set up, and I, I remember how proud I feel, felt casting that ballot. Now there are so many laws uh, that are attacking our right to vote. Like you said, young people came out in record numbers in 2020, and now- Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
are so many different bills uh, that are being presented to try to stop that from happening. Can you talk to us a little bit about what we can do uh, to combat those attacks on our right to vote? Terrence, you can be more correct. You know, listen, I... I break. Uh, come to me. Here we go. We're going to go to commercial break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to play another block of that conversation that took place today at North Carolina A&T, Vice President Kamala Harris. Later in this hour, we'll talk about this being Suicide Prevention Month with uh, Keisha Dennis, a mental health, mental health, mental mental health expert uh, who works with a lot of athletes uh, to really recognize uh, the important issues that they face when it comes to mental health and not to simply just try to play through it. Folks, you're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network live from the House of Hope here in Chicago where shortly uh, McDonald's will kick off their 17th annual uh, Inspiration Gospel Tour. Uh, we are here, been here all week, can't wait for that to happen and show you uh, beginning next week a lot of the interviews that we've had. Folks, we'll be right back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, are you working hard and yet your performance doesn't reflect your paycheck? On the next Get Wealthy, you're going to learn some savvy career moves so that all your efforts actually show up in your bank account. Joining us is the founder of a career network, and she's going to share the three R's of accelerating your financial growth. Here's a tip as well. If you are an individual contributor and you desire to be a leader, do the work where you are now. Because if you do the work where you are now, when you do reach the level, you'll be prepared to stay there. Right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. All change right. is not growth. Right. But thoughtful change is real good fertilizer. And that's what has been so beneficial to us. But you also were not afraid of the pivot. Well, and I'm a black woman in business. Come on, I don't care how I dress up. I don't care who I'm speaking with. I don't care what part of the world I am in. I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change is not what got me here. Respectful of change, respectful of pivot, yeah. Fearful, no, uh-uh, no. President Biden has delivered for Black America more funding for Black entrepreneurs, millions of new good-paying jobs. He's lowering the cost of medications and the cost of living. Joe Biden is delivering for us, and that's the facts. Hi, everybody. I'm Kim Coles. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. Yo, it's your man Deion Cole from Blackish, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. We continue the conversation today, Vice President Kamala Harris and the campus of North Carolina A&T. Traveling this country, I'm fully aware. I do believe there is a national agenda, which is about a full-on attack against hard-won 
hard-fought freedoms. So on the freedom to vote, you see laws, well, first of all, let's also understand back to 2020, one of the highest rates of young people voting. Well, that scared a lot of people. And so you saw almost immediately thereafter laws being proposed and passed, like the one in Georgia, that makes it against the law to give somebody food and water if they are standing in line to vote. The hypocrisy abounds, because, you know, by the way, what happened to love thy neighbor? Right? Laws like the ones that Governor Roy Cooper has been fighting against that would divide A&T into separate districts, districts to, to dilute your power as a group to vote based on your collective interests. We are seeing laws that are being passed that would say that student IDs are not sufficient to prove your identity to vote because when you all vote, it scares some folks. But when you vote, you have the ability to determine the future of our country in a way that might challenge a lot of people's notions about what is possible and who can possibly do it. And so when we look at these attacks on voting, let's understand that there is an effort to make it more difficult for you to vote so that you don't vote. Not to mention those who would suggest that, oh, if you vote, it won't make a difference. Or those who would suggest, your vote's not gonna count, and you know they don't want you to vote anyway. And I think it's really power that, it's powerful when we understand when people are trying to suppress our vote and make us feel small and to make anybody feel like they don't matter and don't count. And don't, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Because when you all vote in your numbers, so much is going to change about our world. Well, Madam Vice President, you know, you're no stranger to justice. And I believe that this administration has such a strong position on environmental justice because yeah. of what you bring to the table. I believe as a district attorney in San Francisco, you established one of the first environmental justice units of any prosecutor in the country. Yeah. Um, in addition to environmental justice, uh, I think with your leadership, we are making historic investments in climate change to reduce the climate anxiety uh, that so many of our young people are facing. Yeah. When you think about environmental justice, when you think about climate change and the climate crisis, uh, what goes through your mind? What are you thinking when people talk and approach you and say, what is this administration doing to address the climate crisis? Well, first, let me again acknowledge your leadership as the administrator of the EPA, because you've been extraordinary, Michael Regan. You've been extraordinary. And, and bold, because you know, it, it, when you get to Washington, D.C., um, you, you find that, that people are really happy with status quo. They're happy with the way things are and have always been. And um, it takes a lot of willpower and determination and courage to change things, and that's what you've been doing. On the issue of environmental justice, 
you know, here's the deal. If you look at, for example, the map of our country in terms of where are the regions that have some of the poorest air quality, you would not be surprised to know it is low-income communities and communities of color. In the South, we have a whole span, a strand that we call Cancer Alley because we have so many southern states, in particular on the Gulf and on the coast, that have been the subject of dumping and pollution. And, and the, the children growing up in these communities, breathing toxic air, drinking toxic water. And I believe that, first of all, we must agree that it should be a right of every child and every person to be able to drink clean water and breathe clean air. Yes. But sadly, in far too many communities in our country, and in particular communities of color and poor communities, that is not a right that people can take for granted. So the work we have been doing has been about addressing right now the extreme climate changes that we are seeing and paying attention to equity, paying attention to the fact that when we address it around adaptation and resilience to the hurricanes and the floods, that we recognize these extreme climate occurrences, they affect everybody, but they don't impact everyone equally. And I'm just going to just diverge from this point to make another point. You know, in some states in our country, there are some extremist so-called leaders who are attacking DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, who are trying to sell something to suggest that to talk about diversity and equity and inclusion is a bad thing, to suggest that we should not have a commitment to diversity, which is to understand that when we have people of every background in a position of leadership, the decisions that will come out of that group will be better than if the group does not reflect the diversity of who we are as a nation. People who would suggest on the E, equity, that we should not pay attention to the fact that although we all strive for equality, not everybody starts out on the same base. So. When you talk about equality, that suggests sometimes, okay, everyone gets the same amount. But everyone doesn't start out on the same place. So that means if everyone just gets the same amount, they're going to end up with that, those disparities that they started with. Inclusion. That we should be purposeful about paying attention to who's not in the room. And then figuring out a path and a way that they can enter. And we are seeing extremist so-called leaders who are trying to say it's a bad thing, it's a bad word to talk about DEI, diversity, and equity, and inclusion. And I'm telling you, the young leaders here, this thing is an intentional thing to suggest that we should not pay attention to race, should not pay attention to gender, should not pay attention to where people start out and then make allowances for how they can compete equally. When we talk about environmental justice, it's an extension of this point. Let's understand this extreme climate affects everybody, but not everybody equally. So we need to put extra resources into poor communities, into communities that historically experienced the worst effects 
of hurricanes and floods and the climate crisis. And so that's what environmental justice is. It's about, for folks who come from an urban community, knowing what we talk about in terms of, in so many of our cities where there's low-income housing, there are no trees and a lot of concrete. And so as the temperatures start to go up around the globe, that concrete will generate and reflect heat in a way that that community will actually suffer more consequences from this heating planet than communities that have trees. That's what we talk about when we talk about environmental justice. And it is rooted in the importance of equity and fairness. Well, thank you for that. And I think it's important for the folks out here to know that she speaks dispassionately at a cabinet meeting to the president and to world leaders all across the world. It matters. Leadership matters. So thank you for that perspective and representing that perspective. I want to build on it a little bit because we have Terrence, myself, and you, three proud HBCU graduates. <laughs> Uh, sitting on, on the stage on the campus of North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, the largest uh, uh, black HBCU in the country. Yeah. And when we think about the shoulders that we stand on yeah. and all of the people it took to get us here, uh, there are some forces across the country that are trying to remove that history from our schools. And we all saw you down in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we were cheering you on. When, when you see those attacks that even go further beyond DEI, environmental justice, and begin to get into our history books to erase the very essence of who we are, what do we do with that? We elect them out of office. Let's start with that. So let's just start with something everybody here knows. Black history is American history. Period. And America's full history must be taught. And what, again, I, I, let me just back up to say about your generation. You all have been born at a time where your whole, in your whole entire life you have known the climate crisis. In your whole life you have known the significance of gun violence. In your lifetime you have seen the Supreme Court take a constitutional right that has been recognized. And in your lifetime there are people that are trying to turn the clock back in such a bold and unapologetic way to suggest that we should not teach America's full history. My godmother was one of the first people to start a, a black studies department at a school in California called San Francisco State. And that was back in the 60s. And we now see people who walk around talking about themselves as though they should be considered national leaders, suggesting that enslaved people benefited from slavery. And what I said when I went down there is do not 
try to gaslight us. Preach. As you insult us. But this is happening where, again, elected extremist so-called leaders are pushing this agenda. We cannot sit passively by while this happens. You know, there's this, um, there's this story about two frogs and two pots of water. Okay, so here's how it goes. Two pots of water, two frogs. In the first pot, you drop the frog in the pot of water and you slowly turn up the heat. And that frog will just kind of hang out and, oh, it's getting a little warm in here. And then the water starts to boil and that frog perishes. In the second pot of water, you start the water boiling and then you drop the frog in it. That frog jumps out. Let's not be that first frog. Let's not be that first frog. And so the other point that I would make is then they talk about, well, let's debate the point about whether enslaved people benefited from slavery. Are you kidding me? That is not a debatable point, and we're not falling for the okey-doke. We're not falling for it because there is an attempt, and we have to see what's at play. They're attempting to distract us from what they are not doing, and from a lack of true leadership that would also be about trying to unify our country instead of divide our country. On the point of leadership, you know, HBCUs and, and all of the, the extraordinary men and women who came here over the years have taught us something about the attributes of real leaders. The attributes of true leaders are not measured based on who they beat down, but who they lift up. The attribute of a real leader is someone who has some curiosity, concern, and care for the suffering of other people, as opposed to overlooking or belittling people who have suffered. And so when we talk about these attempts to erase our history, let's be alert, conscious, and, and active about making sure that folks don't get away with what they're trying to do, which by the way is the antithesis of what we teach at HBCUs, which is the importance of learning our history, so that those, those moments where crimes were committed against people and a people, where those atrocities occurred to make sure they don't happen again. Folks, um, great conversation there. If you want to see the entire conversation, go to our Black Star Network app, go to our YouTube channel. We live streamed it. It's all there. Going to go to break. We come back. We're going to check with my panel about this. Then uh, after that, we're going to talk to uh, a mental uh, health expert uh, who is really is trying to get our athletes, professional in college and high school and junior high and other athletes to understand that their mental health is just as important as them being in peak physical condition. You're watching.
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. All about unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, are you working hard and yet your performance doesn't reflect your paycheck? On the next Get Wealthy, you're going to learn some savvy career moves so that all your efforts actually show up in your bank account. Joining us is the founder of a career network, and she's going to share the three R's of accelerating your financial growth. Here's a tip as well. If you are an individual contributor and you desire to be a leader, do the work where you are now. Because if you do the work where you are now, when you do reach the level, you'll be prepared to stay there. Right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Me, Sherry Shepard. with Sammy Roman. I'm Dr. Robin B., pharmacist and fitness coach, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. today. Glad to have both of them here. Uh, Kelly, I'll start with you. Here's the thing that's interesting to me. When I listen to a lot of these yahoos, these simple Simons out here, especially a lot of these black haters, they, they constantly are trashing Vice President Kamala Harris. Oh, she doesn't discuss black stuff. We heard a whole bunch of that here. But see, that's what happens when they aren't paying attention when they are listening to, listening to mainstream uh, media that is not actually covering the vice president in depth. You're absolutely right on that. And to be fair, outside of, you know, VP Harris, you didn't really get a whole lot of media coverage with vice presidents anyway. But the difference here is this is a, an historic vice presidential pick. 
she is the first black woman. She is the first woman of color, being that she is biracial. She is the first HBCU graduate. She is the first woman, period, to hold this office. And it is a disservice to the historical implications and impact of this. And it is a disservice to herself. It is a disservice to this country that we don't have this kind of coverage on mainstream media um, to the extent that it needs to be. Because, like you said, when you don't, you get that, you know, BS narrative of she's not doing anything. She doesn't care about black people. She doesn't have any um, awareness of black people's issues, et cetera, et cetera. This is a black woman. She already innately knows black issues, but she's actually a proponent of getting them solved as evidenced by conversations like this. But again, like you said, we don't see that. And that's a problem. But um, regarding this particular event, I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, even though she is a historic pick, you didn't see vice presidents before her paying attention to us to this extent. And that is something to be uh, commended and um, revered. Um, I, I'm incredibly proud to be an HBCU grad myself. So I'm, I'm beaming with pride on several fronts on this. Um, but she's doing the work and she's putting in the work and it needs to be recognized and it needs to be valued. We saw this week all of these white columnists, uh, Michael, talking about, oh, how Vice President Kamala Harris is a drag on the ticket. Dude, I can't think in my lifetime any vice president or people are going, mm, you know what, I'm not going to quite vote for that person because of who the vice president is. They're voting for that person. And I don't even care about Biden's age. People are still judging the administration really on him. And so I, I think it's a bunch of BS when, when, when you hear these folks talk about, oh, Biden really should replace uh, uh, Kamala Harris as vice president. That is not going to somehow be, oh, there you go. He got rid of her. Boom. I'm definitely voting for him now. Yeah, Roland, you know, so I saw, I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday on uh, on Morning Joe when David Ignatius was on talking about a stop-ed <laughs> article in uh, the Washington Post entitled uh, President Biden uh, Should Not Run Again in 2024. And in that article, he talked about how um, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris should not be on the ticket in 2024. He called a lot of backlash. Uh, there are people on MSNBC that disagree with him. I know uh, Reese Colbert uh, did an Instagram video. She cussed him out, basically. She really disagreed with him. So it's a, a lot of this deals with misogyny and anti-black sentiments. That's what this really boils down to. And for the, uh, black, uh, the uh, black social media disinformation agents, that uh, are put it out negative things uh, about Vice President Kamala, Kamala Harris that are not true. Um, I don't even. I wouldn't even say that they're following um, mainstream media not covering her. Co not covering her. They just don't really follow politics. And the way you know that they don't follow politics is when you go to these sites and platforms, and all they do is talk about Democrats, but they can't tell you what Republicans are doing. Those are people who are social media whores. That's what that is. They don't follow politics. I, I game recognizes game. I can tell. But very quickly here, uh, something that Vice President Kamala Harris talked about is in the um, 
reparations uh, recommendations coming is either from California, San Francisco, or both, because there's overlap. But uh, one of the things they talk about how is um, inner cities, especially uh, communities that have a high African-American population, suffer from a lack of trees. That, that's a history of redlining, history of expressways running through our communities. And uh, trees provide shade, they provide cover, and they lower temperatures in those communities. When you have higher temperatures in African-American communities, it causes us to have higher energy costs. It also causes us to have higher rates when it deals with heat-related illnesses and heat-related deaths as well. Okay? So, uh, if, for instance, people just read the article from thegrio.com, Earth Day and Every Day, Trees Tell Neighborhood Stories in Black and White. And also, National Public Radio has an article about this as well. This is real. And this uh, deals with uh, the result of policies. And the infrastructure bill, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, one of the things that is starting to address is re starting to repair the damage in African-American communities as a result of the Interstate Highway Acts in 1952 and 1956. Well, I, I just think that, again, I, when you see these articles, and then when you start seeing one after another after another, and it wasn't just David Ignatius, Kelly, it was Josh Barrow, right. and CNN had him on, and they had the two anchors, and they had him, and they had Andrew Yang, and I'm sitting here going, <laughs> uh, y'all can find nobody black? And, and, and I love, like, Barrow was so stupid. He's like, well, you know, she doesn't come from a place where traditionally they have lots of Af lots of African-American voters. So, therefore, she doesn't have a large uh, black political base. And I said, you stupid. If Joe Biden even thought about trying to take Kamala Harris off the ticket, he would be D-O-A. The backlash from black people would be vicious, Kelly. And I'm trying to think, who was the last? And y'all know, I mean, I know this stuff at the top of my head. Who was the last vice president that got replaced? Uh, the one I could think about was uh, during the uh, second term of Abraham Lincoln, when he replaced the first vice president with a... Uh, uh, Andrew Johnson. That's that's the one I could think of. And that didn't end up well. Johnson. That, that didn't turn out well. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but 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 the point is, well, he won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because we, but, we yeah, it, it, no, because we, when, when Lincoln got assassinated, we got one of the biggest racists in American history yep. uh, in the Oval Office. Yep. But that's what I'm saying, Kelly. If they even attract you, make that move. Oh my God, the black backlash would be crazy. That's why these white guys are just dumb. I mean, th they need something to talk about, right? And it, like we were talking about in the last uh, portion of this segment, the something that they can talk about is Kamala Harris herself and what she's done and why she is so impactful and why she needs to stay on the ticket. But that doesn't create media buzz in the way that the negative media does. And that's really what the crux of the issue is here. I was talking with some colleagues earlier this week regarding, you know, politics and the upcoming elections and even past elections specifically with Trump. And, you know, someone made the point that, you know, Fox News elected Trump and, and, and that's how he became president. And I made the argument that Fox News didn't do it. CNN did it. MSNBC did it. You know, these these left 
relatively left-wing, progressive, you know, left-of-center news outlets did it. Why? Because they didn't harp on the fact of why the Democrats needed to be in office, and they countered with why Trump was so bad. In fact, I would argue that they treated Trump as such a joke that they didn't take the the gravamen seriously, right? And And that's how we got to this space of Democrats in general not being taken seriously and why we are still, you know, talking about Trump to this day in a serious fashion, ironically. Um, if we actually used comms in a way where it uplifted, it informed, and it was pushed well, we would not be in a situation where the best work that the Democrats have done in decades is being buried by a, you know, mafia kingpin with, what, 91 indictment, 91 charges across four jurisdictions? That's crazy. You know, like, the fact that we're talking more about that, the fact that we're talking about all of these peripheral issues as opposed to what is really important is the reason why we are in the predicament that we're in as far as why people don't know what's going on. Folks, hold tight one second. We come back. The importance of mental health. We'll chat with uh, my buddy, Keisha Dennis, next. Right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. is not growth, right? but thoughtful change is real good fertilizer, and that's what has been so beneficial to us. But you also were not afraid of the pivot. Well, and I'm a black woman in business. Come on, I don't care how I dress up. I don't care who I'm speaking with. I don't care what part of the world I am in. I still am a black woman in business. Being afraid of the pivot, being fearful of change is not what got me here. Respectful of change, respectful of pivot, yeah. Fearful, no, uh-uh, no. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear.
is John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Shepard Talk Show. This is your boy, Irv Quay. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Just the other day, I was looking at a story, uh, and it was a book excerpt of Mark Navarro. <coughs> Excuse me, Mark Navar uh, Navarro uh, was a Super Bowl winning tight end uh, for the New York. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Giants, and he was talking about the injuries and the pain and all the different things that he has gone through and said... Uh, that life really wasn't worth it anymore, uh, and then begin to seek some help. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that for a number of professional athletes, when uh, the cheering stops, when you don't have the accolades and the praise, uh, is a very lonely existence. These are people who literally uh, have received this and felt this, this love and adoration from elementary school, junior high, high school, college, and then the pros. And then they lose the teamwork, if you will. They lose the camaraderie of the locker room. Uh, and they literally are now in a place where what they were so used to, uh, where someone really controlled their schedule and they knew exactly where the, what to eat and weight room and all those different things along those lines. And now the world's totally changed. Uh, and, and this month is Suicide Prevention Month. And we don't think about that a lot. We don't think about what happens uh, with people who commit suicide, uh, especially athletes. Uh, the other day I was looking on Instagram and there was a sister who was a realtor uh, out of Atlanta in Los Angeles. And she had posted about three weeks ago that her mother had passed away. Uh, and she then posted this week that she, she, she said this has been difficult, but her mother actually took her life. Uh, and it's hard for us to talk about these things, but we really have to because folks endure this. My next guest um, is a life coach. She's the founder of Elephant in the Room. Uh, it is an organization that works with individuals, especially uh, in the area of athletics, to address mental health and wellness. So welcome back to the show. My buddy, Keisha Dennis. Keisha, glad to have you on the show. You have been basically on tour. You were uh, in New York Monday night hanging around with the New York Jets uh, when they uh, came back from that game. Uh, been going to different camps of athletes, visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Just just, just share with folks um, uh, what, what you're now seeing where it's where more and more professional athletes are talking about mental health and wellness and now we're seeing this even trickle down uh, to colleges and high schools. 
Well, first, thank you so much for having me. It is Suicide Prevention Month, and it also is the start of the NFL season. So we're excited that football is back, but we do um, have to talk about some of the things that happened during offseason. Uh, as you mentioned, I've um, spent a lot of time during the offseason talking to guys and um, being incorporated into their camps where they have been spending time with youth, explaining the importance of mental health, along with doing some of the physical drills. So um, I've had a chance to talk with many of the student athletes, collegiate athletes, as well as pro athletes about how they want to continue to incorporate mental health because it's just as important as physical health. Something that we did uh, over the summer, we had a camp with Rob Covington, with the LA Clippers, as well as Sauce Gardner. And in both of those camps, it was towards the end of the session. They had all this, we had all the kids come together and really be present and really talk about mental health. And we had uh, the athletes, they wanted to share their stories. And I think they're more and more, uh, as time has gone by, athletes in, in general, they want to uh, share the wisdom and knowledge that they're learning and more about mental health so that they can, the, the athletes that they're training at the camps today, they're going to be our future Hall of Famers and our future Pro Bowlers. And so it's just as important to shed light on this the younger they are. Um, and um, for them to be vulnerable enough to, to talk about it, what's also now happening is it's it's forcing these teams and these coaches to now factor these things in because so long in athletics it was like yo man up toughen up we don't deal with all that sort of stuff and what's interesting is you're now seeing coaches you're now seeing people in the front office have to now acknowledge the realities of depression uh anxiety all these different things that are part of uh that all things that go under this mental health umbrella yeah, absolutely. Uh, most of the, the, the teams, they have um, clinicians that are on site. It's really it's been mandated, especially within the NFL, NBA and the MLB. And most of my colleagues and good friends are team clinicians to where they're able to help these players out. And honestly, Roland, um, what I'm also seeing with the coaches in their uh, personal um their staff members' trainings, they are wanting to uh, encourage about mental health because there it's a team effort. Some of the coaches are dealing with the same pressures, uh, the game days, the plans, injuries, and so I think that we've had so much time where people have been uh, spent some time during COVID where they were isolated and players included, and they got a chance to see um, what the impact had on people just in general, from the coaches to the players, um, to the, the team staff. And so everyone is really cognizant about making sure that they check in on the players. Um, uh, maybe a couple months ago, I had a chance to go out and do a presentation and speak with um, the Minnesota Vikings. I teamed up with their team clinician, uh, Coach uh, Ko, um, and a couple other people. Um, we were able to talk to the entire team and staff just about mental health, and the feedback was awesome. They were truly engaged, and a lot of them want to know. They want to hear more. They want these experiences more and more. I know somebody watching, they say, well, okay, roll into my mental health and mental wellness in the Suicide Prevention Month, but these things actually escalate. And what, and what ends up happening is a lot of people uh, who get to that point, they feel isolated and feel as if there's nobody they can talk to and share with. And that's also one of the things that you are encouraging these athletes to do. 
Absolutely. We want them to normalize and talk about mental health mm -hmm. and them utilizing their platform. It's not um, something that is required for work. It's something that they realize is truly important. It's something that they deal with themselves and they decide, you know, as a collective, the more that we can normalize those conversations, the more that we can um, glamorize those conversations to where it doesn't feel uncomfortable when you're sharing that you're dealing with something or you're not caught off guard and uh, have that sinking in your stomach when one of your friends or your teammates tell you that they're dealing with something or um, just educating them on learning some of the signs and symptoms of someone who may um, present suicide ideations and, and uh, discussions. And so um, I think that a lot of the players now, I think now it's becoming more of a topic. It needs to be more of a topic, and it's for the greater good of uh, the entire team and the sports just in general. I know uh, recently uh, I was watching. Sure. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking about, um, I think I saw something the other day with the U.S. Open. They made it a point to have a, a panel, and I believe Naomi Osaka was on the, the panel, along with Michael Phelps, just continuing to have those discussions, continuing to um, bring out some pivotal points to make sure that people know that they're not alone in this fight and that isolation um, doesn't mean that, you know, that it's not something that they need to endure on their on their own. They need to reach out to someone and ask for help. Question from the panel. Uh, Michael, you first. All right. Um, yeah, thanks for coming back and sharing this information with us. Uh, I was looking at an article um, by Dr. Jessica Johnson dealing with more focus on suicide awareness for African Americans. And one of the things that it talks about in the article is how African Americans are more likely to historically turn towards the church uh, when it comes to trying to address mental health as opposed to seeking a psychologist, psychiatrist, what have you. Um, where, do, in, in your work and in your research, where do you think that comes from and how can we change that attitude today? A lot of people say, well, I don't need to go to a psychiatrist, I just need Jesus. Right. Um we hear that so much, especially in uh, many communities. And so uh, recently I've had the opportunity to, to partner with a church, Dream Center Church here in Atlanta with Pastor D. She's amazing, a uh, really close friend of mine, but we were able to sit down and have a discussion about doing the work and having the faith. And so it's important that you have faith and you do go to church and you pray about things and, you know, you also have to put in the work. You have to do the work, the shadow work. You have to talk about uh, some of the thoughts that you're having, depression, anxiety, anything that may be going on, because sometimes just praying about it, it's not going to make everything disappear. But I do think that it had a lot to do with our upbringing. We were always taught not to talk about it, especially at the church. It was like what goes on at home stays at home. And so now we're just trying to break that stigma. And I think it helps if we're able to continue partnering um, with our spiritual leaders and, and guidance uh, so that we can uh, work together to create change. All right. Tell them God made psychiatrists. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Kelly. Sure. Again, thank you for coming back on the show and 
raising awareness to this issue. Um, I have, you know, been pretty open on this show and other platforms that I've been on regarding my struggle with mental health and suicidal ideations that I've had. Um, a large reason why I have gotten better um, is because it felt like as a woman, as, as someone who uh, presents as feminine, it is, I have license to be vulnerable. I have license to, to seek help. Um, what I've noticed specifically, we were talking about athletes, whether you are a man, woman, what have you, is that because of the athletic mentality, you don't feel like you have license to do that, hence the isolation and the like. And the irony being that you don't, that you're, depending on the sport, you're far from isolated. So how do you dismantle that that notion of isolation within the team environment so that they can get the help that they need? That's a really great question and something that we're also doing at the elephant in the room. Uh, we've created... Um, it's more of, it's a, it's a program. So this year, the organization, we are the NFLPA's charitable partner of the year for mental health. And so within this program, we have also, we've been able to work with some collegiate athletes. And I do think that this is going to be the same for some of the professional athletes, but I've been able to create an ecosystem and I have a group of HBCU student athletes from uh, this all over the state of Georgia at different schools, but being able, being able to create that ecosystem where you have a group of people people that are like-minded, share the same um, likes, and uh, also they're able to be vulnerable during that time uh, that they spend with us. We also provide them with a few free therapy sessions so that whenever we have our meetings, they're able to talk amongst each other and they can really relate. And I do believe that that translates over to the field because I do think that the coaching staff, the team, they have to get together and have more um, time where they're able to bond and be vulnerable with, with each other so that they don't feel like they have to isolate themselves, especially when it comes to injuries, because everyone's not okay. It's a really dangerous sport. Most athletes endure physicality. And so it's important that they rally together and you find a community so that you don't feel isolated and alone in this fight. All right, then. All right. For folks uh, who want more information, uh, where do they go for the, uh, the elephant in the room? Yes, you can find us. Our website is www.theelephantintheroominc.org. And we are on socials uh, at The Elephant in the Room, Inc. And uh, you can also text T-E-I-T-R to 707070 to support. All right. Keisha Dennis, always a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Good to see you. Likewise. Thank you, guys. Thanks a bunch. Folks, that's it. Let me thank uh, Kelly, Michael, for being on the panel today. Thank you so very much. Folks, we're here at the House of Hope in just a few minutes. Literally, the McDonald's Inspiration Gospel Tour is going to be kicking off unbelievable talent who's there. We're in Chicago tonight. We'll be in Detroit tomorrow, 7 p.m. at the Fox Theater. Coming soon to Philadelphia, Atlanta, Jackson, Mississippi, Dallas, Texas. 
Uh, and we can't wait to show you some of the great interviews. We've had some amazing interviews uh, with Sir the Baptist, uh, with uh, the Walls family, Hezekiah Walker, uh, Doe. And boy, wait till y'all see this interview we did with Bree Bab uh, Babineau. She is absolutely hilarious. And so looking forward to it. If you want to get tickets to future concerts, simply go to blackandpositivelygolden.com. You can get the tickets there. And so, again, we're here at the House of Hope in Chicago. Come on by, folks. And check us out. I look forward to um, uh, spending some time with you. That's it, folks. I appreciate all of you uh, for joining us. Thank you so very much. Don't forget, support us in what we do. Please. I can't. I'm telling you all. I, I, I'm very transparent with you to understand, to run this network, to run this show, all the shows, the OTT network, all things that we do. It literally is $195,000 a month. Straight up, that's what it is. So your support is absolutely crucial. And so please join our Bring the Funk fan club. Send your chicken money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal or Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And don't forget, we also want you to download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One. Samsung Smart TV, uh, and of course, be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, available at bookstores nationwide. We always support, we always appreciate those who support us. We run the names uh, every Friday uh, as a result, and so we appreciate doing so. And so, I will see y'all on Monday. Holla!
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Snakes, zombies, sharks... 
heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.